Hi, everybody. Good morning. It is a beautiful uh, Saturday morning here, July 2nd. Kind of unbelievable that we're now headed into another academic year. Um, welcome to room one. This is the start of quarter three. So I would like to begin by just reviewing the model and the model concepts because we may have new people joining today. Um, and people who just really aren't as familiar with some of the tools that we use. So just really briefly, I'm going to go over the model and then people will be able to reference this. <clears throat> um, Okie dokie. Let's see here. So in the model, if you all remember, we have the circumstance line. And again, I think of this just as a tool. It's like a scalpel. Or for me, my, my favorite OR tool is a freer elevator. This just helps us kind of dissect some of the thoughts that are swirling around in the brain. It helps us understand how our thoughts relate to our feelings. And then it helps us see how those thoughts drive us to act or show up in a certain way. And then from there, the actions then will show us how we create our current lived experience. And then we can see how that will kind of connect back to the original thought rather than the circumstance, even though most of the time we think that we are kind of at the mercy of the circumstances, this tool just helps us see how we can separate all that out. So the C is the circumstance. <clears throat> and for those of you who are joining, I'm just briefly reviewing the model because we're at the beginning of a new quarter where we'll have new members and um, people who may not be as familiar with our tool here. Um, so then the circumstance is just kind of the data of the world that our brains are taking in and trying to make meaning of. And the brains make the meaning in the form of a thought. So when we say the word trigger, our, our circumstances or that data triggers us to have thoughts. Our thoughts then, it's basically creates, a it's like creating a story. Often we're making it mean something about us, which is really interesting. Our thoughts then create our feelings or emotions. And then our feelings will then drive us to do something. They'll drive us to act in some way, or this is kind of how we show up. This could be actions, inactions, or reactions. And then our Actions create our results. Uh oh. Results. And then we'll see, hopefully, we'll have a volunteer for coaching today, and we'll see then how the result then will sort of support the thought. It does not really tie back to the circumstance in so much as it ties back to the original thought, which is super good because all of this stuff is outside. uncontrollable and this is inside and we have some freedom to play around with this stuff I'm trying to get away from the word control because what do we ever really control I feel like it's more of an illusion of control but um but this is where we kind of have freedom to make adjustments in our own experience Okay, so that's that. So I am going to start renaming folks if you don't want to rename yourself I'll just rename you. Um, I'm going to try to pick amazing women. 
I'll just rename folks. Rename. Um, and let's see here. I have a feeling Bob has already renamed herself. this doesn't get too confusing. Okay, notice what I renamed you. I'm trying to rename us to um, different names today to keep your anonymity. Okay, Q3, here we go. Um, so Kelly and I have tried to kind of create like a loose curriculum, if you will, for how to organize our practice throughout this year. And so the first quarter was sort of ideas surrounding our brain and mind. And then the second quarter was ideas surrounding the body. And if you reference the cheat sheets we posted on the site, um, it just gives some prompts for thought downloads and journalings to kind of reflect on those things. And now we're moving into my favorite topic, which is the spirit. And I want to just preface this by saying we're talking about the secular spirit, even though for many people, um, this the secular versus faith or religious is kind of all intertwined. This is a secular um, organization, and so we're not trying to be religious in any way, but just kind of consider um, that, which is kind of bigger than us. And I like to think of spirit as these tiny little quantum particles that are moving in and around all things in the material world all simultaneously and just flowing and moving. And it's like this source of energy that's touching everything in the material world. That's kind of my current vision of the spirit, because that's a part of me. It's a part of you. It's a part of this desk and this computer. And it just really helps me feel kind of this interconnectedness with everything. But this will be an invitation for you to consider what spirit means or soul or um, that sort of that which is greater than us that's potentially driving us and helping us feel connected. So with that said, Let's start coaching. Does anybody have anything they want to talk about this morning? <clears throat> if you do, go ahead and raise your hand or go into the chat and let us know. Let's see. Mm -mm -mm. Who's that really awesome soccer player, Abby? Abby Wambach. So I've got I've renamed Abby Wambach, Amelia Earhart, Elizabeth Blackwell, Marie Curie, and we have Bob and Thunder. Okay, here we go. Anybody have anything they want to be coached on today? We, get a, we need to get a hand or a chat. Or if, here's the other thing that might be kind of cool. If, um, if I just allow everybody to talk and we could just have an a free, a free for all discussion on the meaning of spirit in your own life. Cause we could probably learn from each other or we could, we don't even have to call it spirit. We could call it soul or, um, energy or chi or whatever you want to call it. Um, so if anybody has any opinions on that, especially if we don't have a, a volunteer for coaching, we could maybe just have a discussion. That would be fun. Why not? We can be spontaneous. I'll open up the chat. Uh, okay.
I'm going to give it like one more minute. Oh, yeah, here we go. Thunder. This reminds me of that song. Lightning is a thunder. Okay. Hi. Morning, Jessica. <laughs> How are you? Good, good, good. Um, hopefully, I, you, I, I, I see my phone says 5G, so um, <laughs> hopefully you hear me. Okay. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it is really thundering here, so you might hear that too. Um, awesome. Yeah, we need the rain, especially before all the fireworks, all the illegal fireworks. <laughs> um, so here's what I've been thinking about. I... Um, a, a little more than a year ago, got assigned a, um, advanced practitioner, mm-hmm. um, part-time, um, and the, the FTE it increased over time. And so we're at like still part-time, but 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.8 or something. Um, mm-hmm. she has some other responsibilities too. Um, but I need more help than that. And I've, gone to administration and said, I need, I need more help than that. And I, I think they're willing to give that to me, but it's now it's July 1st and the whole fiscal year resets. And so now they can ask for it higher up the chain. But in the meantime, the APP has made it pretty clear that she's not interested in doing the stuff that I need help on, which is like, um, weekend rounding and, you know, some call responsibilities and seeing patients in the hospital. Um, So I think her passion lies in just seeing patients in the office, which I think is super awesome, Mm -hmm. but it's more than, um, I, I really need more than that. So it's kind of driven a wedge a little bit because she pushes, my perception is she's, you know, she said she doesn't want to do it. And I understand that. I respect that. So, but I need that. And I, <laughs> I'm allotted this percentage. So I get, maybe this is even like how to supervise people or how to motivate people when they aren't interested in doing that or um, how to get people to move on. But I don't want to have a um, reaction. I, Like, I don't want to have negative feelings and I don't want her. I want to end on a good note. Okay. So is it that you've already like decided that, that this relationship's not going to work out between you two? Right. Yes. Um, Okay. And I think she's decided that too. So we both know that we just need to get it transitioned. Okay. So that's good. Let's get some more information to clarify kind of the nuts and bolts of the situation. Like you said it might be a 0.6 or a 0.8 FTE. Yeah. Um, like, and then she, and she's currently working at the max amount that's allowed. Uh, oh, with me. Um, mm, there's some time that I think is not accounted for. Maybe that's how I could say it. Um, so there's definitely, I think some wiggle room and what she's allotted to me. But, um, like sometimes it's not scheduled in the office that she's allotted to me and not typically seeing patients. And then she's not like doing anything during those times or, well, I'm sure she's upset about it. I'm sure she's doing something, uh, maybe with her other responsibilities. Oh, okay. Got it. So she's, so she's like shared. 
sounds like. Yes. That is always hard when somebody is shared, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. That's a thought for sure. But like, I do see that. I've seen that in my own practice because you end up in my own, I can only speak for myself here, but in my own practice, I've noticed there's some imbalance in the way certain resources are utilized. Yes. And then when, um, in private practice, for example, when everybody's like sharing the cost of the resource, but, but not everybody gets the same amount of the resource. It can, you know, it can seem unbalanced, but yes. Um, okay. So what is the real issue? Cause it sounds like you guys have already agreed to part ways. So what's the big deal? You, and, and it sounds like there's, you, you talked about there being a wedge driven, but if you're both in agreement, then, um, help us understand where the like wedge that you describe, what's that looking like? Okay. Well, like a particular situation, situation was a couple weeks ago. It was a Friday afternoon mm-hmm. and I was on call. So I scheduled some extra surgeries that I probably would not typically do on Friday afternoon if I was on on-call. Um, so I was, and I was on call, so I was busting, you know, I was busy, which is good. Cause I, if I'm going to be working, I want to be busy. Okay. Sure. So, um, I noticed in my inbox, I just happened to notice that there was a message, um, that she had forwarded that said somebody needs a peer to peer on imaging that she had ordered. And I thought, well, I wonder why she didn't do the peer to peer because it, it had been sitting there for like 24 hours. I luckily happened to notice it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like, man, I think she forwarded it to me because it, my perception was it's Friday at noon and she forwarded it to me to take care of. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got so much going on already. I did take care of it, but it, I, I wish she would have taken care of it. So I did talk to her about it and she said, oh, well, I, I, it was kind of not clear why it hadn't happened, but, and then I'm like, I do, do I even really want to like, uh, go towards, like talk to her about this because it's like, we've already kind of decided that we're not working out. Mm-hmm. So, but what did she say when you, when you asked her about the forwarded message, what did she say? Cause you said the result of that interaction yeah. was unclear. So what exactly did she say? Or well, par- she said, she said she was, um, she had, she was going to take care of it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cause it was like, when I saw it, like at one, I like replied back. Am I, what are you expecting of this? What do you want from me? Do you want me to take care of it? Or, um, and she didn't answer. I did a case. And then like at two 30, I'm like, well, it's two 30. And this, this, uh, imaging is scheduled on Monday morning. I got to get this peer to peer done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so I just did it. And she, so when I talked to her about it and we both had had some cool off time because Mm -hmm. we were both out. Um, and she's like, well, I, um, I was going to do it. And I was like, well, when, (laughs) I don't know. So what'd she say? She's like, um, well, I had an appointment I had to take care of. And I was like, well, if you were going to do it, it would have been nicer if you would have said, Hey, I just want you to know about this, but I'm going to take care of it. And she's like, okay, but so, I don't know. And then, can I just ask another clarifying question? Is it customary for, um, for her or anybody to forward you the message about the peer to peer, even if, um, you didn't order the test? Like, why did it have to be forwarded to you at all? Right. 
yeah, I don't, I, I think she thought she was going to be out the next week, which me too, I was actually going to be out the next week. And she just, I, I don't know. That's okay. Uh, I, I think she thought maybe I'd get a phone phone call that's how she explained she well you might get because then she had called the patient to see if she really wanted to get the test and my feeling is well the patient we ordered it or you ordered it um she scheduled it so she wanted the test done you know like yeah so it sounds like there's like a lot of assumptions being made which is really this is such a great example because human communication is kind of tricky sometimes it's like we have this thing in our head And then we have to get words out of our body. And then the other person has to receive those words, whether that's like vocally or via a text or an email. And then, then the other person has to make those words mean something. And so this is a great example where we can see, like, she had words in her head that she put into a text that you then read and then you interpreted, but we're making, we're filling in all the holes with our own, like, with our own editing of what actually is going on. And so it sounds like there's a lot of missing information to me as I like look at it as an outside observer, but this is such a great example, especially because we have new people joining and they're going to see this is like perfect. This is exactly what our brains do because our brains are just trying to create like some meaning out of what's happening. So the meaning that you created is what? there's a wedge between us or what's the, what's the thought? Yeah, definitely. I've thought that. And well, maybe my thought is, I, I don't think she's interested in helping me anymore. Yeah. Like she's punched, she's out, she's OT. Yes. Um, so she's basically like, she's not interested And helping me. And I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I, I mean. Yeah. You don't have to know if it's true or not. Well, Cause what we want to know is how, what this thought creates for you. Yeah. Right. And, um, and then, so what feeling does that cause? Like when she's thinking that thought, what are you feeling? Well, then I'm like exasperated and frustrated. Mm-hmm. And- come on, I need this help. (laughs) If you could pick one, what would it be? Okay. Exasperated. Oh, Lord have mercy. Oh my goodness. I picked a hard word to spell. That's okay. It's only like (laughs) seven o'clock in the morning where I am, but I already threw the dog, the ball and I stood barefoot in the grass and I drank coffee outside. I did all the things. So I should be able to spell. Um, Okay. So exasperated. So we can see how, I mean, obviously, if you're thinking, I thought she's not interested in helping me. And my guess is, is that there's something like even deeper than that. That's like, you know, because really what we do is we make it mean something so much more, even if the thought that we recognize is like, she's not helping me. My guess is, and you can help us understand, um, there's something even more like, but something it's probably what I'm thinking is something's wrong with me because she does not want to help me. Yeah. That's usually what we do, right? We make it mean something about us, like, um, something about how we're not getting the job done. We need more help. 
nobody supports me. Like it's not just that she, she doesn't support me. Nobody supports me. The hospital doesn't support me. Why do I have to do all the work all the time? Like it spins out into this like ridiculous thought frenzy that we all do. So it's just important to take a look at that and then to say, okay, we know that that's like the cute clean thought that's coming, but what is really supporting it? And probably, you know, as we work through it, we'll kind of like tease it apart, but it's probably something more. And then when you feel exasperated, what do you do? Just do it myself and get in a huff. (laughs) In a huff. I love that. Um, I'm very, very good at doing things. I call it rage activities. Like, yes, I, uh, rage, uh, swept the floor yesterday and rage did the dishes. Yes. I do it all the time. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you do it yourself in a huff and then like, I'm sure your communications with her were affected. What way did the, the exasperation show up in the way you communicate? Luckily, there was a week that occurred between, Mm. but I did kind of stew over it Mm. um, for like that week. Yeah. So that's just communication with yourself. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So even, even more important, right? Because the communication we have with ourselves is what we experience and feel like the whole time. And it feels like total shit when we're stewing about something. So when you're stewing, what are you thinking? Um. Well, I usually make it about myself, which is, yeah, (laughs) that's normal. Like, am I asking too much? Am I, why can't I handle if nobody's going to help me? Why can't I handle this on myself? Anything else? Um, So that's judgment about you. Did you have any judgment about her when you were stewing? Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why is she so damn lazy? Like, why can't she just do it? Yeah. Why can't, why didn't she just take care of it? Like, why can't she just do her job? Yes. Or let's move this on. Like, it's not working. We've decided that. Let's move it on. Should or get off the pot? Yeah. Okay. I had to throw a shit or get off the pot just because, you know, we're surgeons after all. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, oh yeah. Why can't she just move on? Yeah. So this is important. I am so grateful you brought this to us today because this is really an awesome example of how this works. Um, so then in our action, we can see how exasperation is showing up in what we do. And then it's stewing. It's just the communication you have with yourself. Other words we use for this is ruminate or having a thought loop, but we're literally thinking something on repeat and it's going and going and going and it just spins. And sometimes it can spin so intensely that then we'll want to do something to shut that down. Like, for me, I watch a lot of TV when I want to shut my brain down. Um, so, you know, people do all kinds of different stuff when they want to shut their brain down. So this is just important to recognize. It doesn't mean you have to change anything. Like it really doesn't, but it just, it's nice to see how it all works. 
So we can see here in the stewing that there's like a lot of judgment about yourself and then some judgment about her. And then like, did that give you an enjoyable week or did, did this, did this contribute to oh, your no. life in a good way or did it contribute no. to your life in a not good it, way? Or what? Yeah. It, the results were that it like, I was ticked off. I, um, I like actually probably stayed out the hospital longer because I was just kind of ticked off. <laughs> I was mad. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, I buffered and ate more, or, you know, tried to solve it with drinking Pepsi or. <laughs> yeah. So you can see all these ways in which then like our lived experience is now kind of like determined by this idea that she didn't help me. Nobody helps me. Like, why can't I just handle this myself? It's all these thoughts really that end up kind of creating this whole lived experience where it's like, you know, somebody else might experience this sea line and just be like, well, you're fired. It's done. Goodbye. Yeah. Or somebody else might look at it as, um, you know, okay, well, this means we have to have a conversation where we really, really outline what needs to happen here and just, just really lay it all out there. Maybe not say you're fired, but be like, okay, is this what you want? Yes or no. Okay. Then we need to move on or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Right. So let's just for the sake of the exercise, let's finish the R and then this will be a, just a phenomenal example for anybody who goes back and watches this, um, as they're, they're practicing the model. So the whole outside of you, not interested in helping you, Also, you're really like being mean to yourself when you're, when you're judging yourself about like, am I, am I asking too much as if you don't deserve it or you're not worthy of help? You know, you're, you're worthy of help. You don't have to do everything alone. And so I think that's like really, really important to kind of pull out of this. It's like, no, you don't have to have a reason beyond the fact that you're a professional surgeon who said, I need help, period. Like there doesn't have to be more than that to it, you know? So I think the result here is, is that you don't feel worthy, you know, you don't feel worthy of help. Yes. Improving it to yourself, you know? Yes. Oh, my markers. Good thing I'm going to Target. Yeah. Have they get new markers? <laughs> I think that's kind of the bottom line. Because if you were worthy of help, it wouldn't matter if you believed it. If you were like, this isn't working. I need more help. I'm worthy of the help. This, this is done. We don't need to dramatize this. You, right. Goodbye. I'm hiring somebody new. You'll be yes. happier. I'll be happier. Everybody wins. Yes. Um, okay. What a great example. So, but here's the thing, like, this is so awesome because now we can talk a little bit about like the normal human brain, right? Our normal human brain just really, really loves the comfort of our own discomfort. Like it doesn't care that this sucks and that you're stewing, because it does not want to change anything. Your human brain is like, Ooh, I love this cozy stew blanket. I love it so much. I don't want to do anything different now. It takes too much work. So this is all completely normal. And what I see people doing is that they'll, 
they'll have this model going and then they'll beat themselves up about this model because they think, well, I shouldn't do that, which is bullshit. Like you're a human. Of course you do this. So this is like this really good opportunity to be like, oh yeah, my human brain is doing that funny thing again, where it wants to stew about stuff. Isn't that cool? How it wants to protect me and keep me safe. And it just doesn't want to work too hard. And that's totally fine. That's what I do all the time. I say these words just to try to help myself not beat myself up about feeling exasperated. Mm -hmm. Of course you feel exasperated. You need help. You know? Yeah. You want, you want help. You need help. You desire help and you don't have the help. So of course you feel exasperated. Like that's completely normal. So it looks like, um, looks like to me, like everything's working just fine in your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you do have an opportunity here to move forward though, because this person is still working with you, correct? Right. Yes. So what would you like to see with this relationship and really, really with the relationship with yourself as you kind of move forward with trying to develop the help that serves your practice the best? Uh, well, I would like to come to the conclusion that, okay, you were, our desires are not the same. No problem. Let's move on. Yeah. And so how do you propose doing that? Um, well, I'm going to re-talk to administration and say, well, we just, I like, I'd like to take care of her and see that she's placed in a position that she'd like, but really at this point I have to take care of what I need. Now, are you a hundred percent sure she doesn't like it? Like, has she specifically said, I do not yes. want to do anything else. Okay, good. So we just want yeah. to make sure that we could put those things in the C. Yeah. Like she exactly. has said that. And are we a hundred percent sure that there isn't a way for her to stay in that position and you have different help with the other things that you need help with? Um, I mean, that's another thought as our option too, because I, I mean, maybe there's something like, maybe she can keep doing that part, but maybe like a, um, I don't know, like a nurse navigator. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. like a real position. Um, We have one. We have one in the OR and it's phenomenal. And I can describe to you what it is. And then maybe you could like adapt it or whatever. We have a single nurse for the operating room who, who basically physically comes in each room kind of periodically and checks on the status of the case. And then she goes out face-to-face and speaks with the parents because I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon Uh and the parents absolutely love having a human come out and tell them like, I just saw your child. Everything's going great. You know, we'll keep you posted. And that's her job every day, all day. And she's super kind and patient. And um, it's like a really special role, even though it's not super clinical. So I don't know if there's a way to adapt that sort of a thing for like a practice whatever type yeah. of practice you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's phenomenal. Um, okay. So the result you want is help. Yes. What do you need to do to get help? Well, this is where I get 
in these perfectionistic tendencies, I'm like, well, what kind of help do I need? I don't know. I could do a navigator. This um, I've got APP that didn't work out super great because maybe she has, maybe APPs in general have different priorities. Like they, that's what they prefer. And I don't know. Um, well, here's a really amazing thing is, is you just have this opportunity. You just had this whole experience that yeah. didn't meet your expectation, which is, which means you can learn a lot from it. Yes. Like this woman who is going to be leaving you has, is, is, is a fountain of information about what she liked, what she didn't like, and how that could be same or different for other people. And it's like, then it can help you hone and refine exactly what you're looking for. And here's the thing, like us, we as surgeons don't love it when things don't work out because we make that mean that we failed. Yes. Right. We make it mean that we failed and we think failure is bad. And we think it means we are not good enough and all of that stuff. You hit the nail on the head with the perfectionist tendencies. So let me just invite everybody to consider that this is just a step on the big staircase of life. And what you learn with the relationship with this person is going to help you develop what you want to bring to the next step. And the next step may work out or it may not, but then you're going to have even more information that's going to help you figure out the next, like the next permutation. And when we look at it that way, it's like, oh my God, it's going to take a hundred years to get to the top of the staircase. But the thing is, is that if we just slow down, and just recognize that like, wow, we just learned so much information. And now I know what I don't want, which is super important. And maybe I can have more information about what I do want. And then sort of take that into the next thing, just kind of break it down into smaller, smaller chunks and not look at the top of the staircase. Just look at the step you're on and the next step you want to get to. And we always have this opportunity to consider that failure is actually a good thing because if we don't fail, we don't learn. And if we don't learn, we're not going anywhere. It's so stagnant. Anyway, that's my two cents on failure. Um, So with that said, so you would, if the result is you want help, what do you have to do? I'm going to offer that first, you need to believe hundred percent you're worthy of help. That's like an actual action. Yes, I need to do that. And I'm not good at that. (laughs) Most of us aren't. Most of us aren't. And so then we just put that into the A line. And so it's just something you can practice. It's practice, practice, practice. Okay. So I'm just going to put here, learn from current APP. Yeah, I'm definitely going to, that's a good idea. Next week, I'm going to sit down with her and be like, okay, here's what I need. Do you think this is like, what do you, what is your perception? Like, do I, is this an APP job? Is this like, yeah, not an APP job? Absolutely. Oh, we just also had one other thing we got at our hospital, how we got it. I don't know, but we got a nurse from our med surge floor to become our ortho manager at the hospital. And so she comes down to our clinic and she serves as like a liaison between what's going on in the clinic and what's going on on the floors. And she is like a fire putter outer. 
She's a firefighter is what she is because she has good relationships with the floor nurses and she has good relationships with all the doctors. And, and she just, I mean, she's a, she's amazing. She's not an advanced practice nurse. She's a floor nurse. I think that's maybe another way to say nurse navigator, I guess, but um, we call her the nurse manager for ortho and Mm -hmm. she is absolutely phenomenal and has created so much peace and she doesn't just work for one person. She, she stays in the clinic and she's like communicating with the residents and um, communicating with the docs and kind of like, she just has her finger on the pulse of what's going on at all times. And then she just, and she has such good ideas about how to improve processes because she's a nurse. And I'm telling you, nurses are amazing. Nurses really know processes. So there's another idea. So you're going to learn from current APP. And then you're probably going to brainstorm and look at your own practice and really think about that. And then you're probably going to talk to admin. Yeah. And this, I mean, your work on this could help a lot of people. What would you need to feel to do those things? Um, like you said that I'm good enough to have the help that I need. Yeah. Worthy. And what would you need to think to feel worthy? I'm good enough. I deserve this. Yeah. I I deserve. I do. Oh, you guys. I deserve help. Yeah. Deserve. I love it. Because you do. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jessica. You're welcome. Thanks for bringing that. This was so good. Such a good teaching one for the group. So thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Who's next? Anybody else want to go? We had some comments. Let's see. Such a common theme among us. We are not worthy and we're not good enough. It's so frustrating. Yes, that is correct. And I think this has to do with how we um, are indoctrinated. We are internalizing all these messages about worth. I made a comment the other day during coaching that my daughter is getting messages about what the female form looks like based on all these stupid cartoons where like these, these cartoon women or little girls or whatever have these heads that are like ginormous, all this makeup on, and then the super tiny form of the body. And, and it's just horrifying that that's like, what's available for her to understand what female forms are. I mean, it's just gross, but think about what we have internalized over our lifetime about our own worthiness. And it is just time to take a stand. It's time to stake a claim in our own lives and just tune in. And this is where the soul stuff comes in, right? It's like that, that, that kind of expression of yourself on this individual yet super connected level. It's like, we are worthy. We're human beings and you don't need permission in your own life. You don't need anybody's approval 
but we don't know that and we don't believe it. And so it just requires like a daily cultivation, like a daily digging up of where the hell did that come from? Why do I think I don't need to take a nap or deserve to take a nap? Why do I think, what, you know, where is this belief that I have to do it all myself? Well, I saw my mom doing everything herself. Of course, that's what I learned. Um, but we're worthy. We're worthy of so much more freedom and compassion and love and help and rest and joy in all of it. Okay, we have about 20 more minutes. So does anybody else have anything to talk about this morning? Or if you want to like go on to a, just an open forum discussion, that would be great. Either way. Anybody else? Anybody else? We just had somebody new join. Let me think of another strong woman. Strong woman. So I'll catch you up on the changes that I'm making. Oh, oh yeah, here we go. My family still criticizes me because I've moved beyond our mom who did it all herself. So much indoctrinated self-hate. Yes, but your family criticizes you. That's interesting. I wonder what that really, I wonder what that looks like. Um, Yeah, it's so interesting when other people are doing things and saying things that look like criticisms that this goes for like a lot of different, a lot of different examples where people will criticize us for something. Really what they're they're doing is projecting. They're projecting their own self-hatred, their own insecurity, their own whatever. And I have to like remind myself of that very intentionally when I'm receiving something that's like criticism or whatever, I immediately just think, okay, what is their model right now? And you don't have to even be right about what their model is. Just the act of imagining what their model is, even if you're making shit up, is so powerful because it just helps you see that what they're thinking, they have a circumstance what they're thinking is creating their own feeling, which is driving their own actions and creating their own result, which then becomes our seat because we like look at that and we have a thought about it. But really that model belongs to them. That model belongs to them. And you can invite it in your house and make it a part of you and feel miserable. It's totally fine if you want to do that, but you can also like, put up a boundary and be like, that does not belong to me. That self-credit, that criticism belongs to them. It doesn't belong to me. Okay. So then also we've got more comments. Yep. Tons of self-hatred in my older sisters directed at me, the youngest who broke the mold of how we grew up. Oh, isn't that interesting? How do I keep the peace when I know the other is projecting? That's a great question. So I can tell you how I do this in my own life, which I'm, you know, I'm not like an expert at this. I just practice all the time. Um, I, I do exactly what I just said is I imagine what their model is 
And it only takes like 30 seconds to do that. Um, this happened actually the other day. So I'm leaving full-time ortho and I'm going to become an independent contractor and just kind of work when I want and just do coaching, coaching full-time. So I don't know if everybody knows that, but in that my husband is getting very nervous about our finances and he is projecting his fear about it in ways that I then have the option of taking personally or not. So that his fear can come across as, uh, you know, judgment about the decisions I'm making, some, maybe even criticism, not really, because he's, he's supportive when he's rational, he's supportive, but when he has his fear moments and he kind of spins out, which is just what humans do, then he'll, um, it'll, it takes really, it takes effort on my part to be like, okay, this does not belong to me. He's just afraid. That's what I, that's what I do. So I just, um, have to practice that over and over again. But the question you had is how do you keep the peace? And so my question there would be is what does it look like for you to keep the peace? So for me, my biggest desire is to have internal peace. And sometimes that does not translate to external peace, like in the home. But if I can, so my, my main priority is making sure that I am really, really tuning into my like greatest desires and my, my greatest kind of purposes. And so for me to not be in alignment with that is not peaceful inside of myself. So I want to, I wonder sunshine, if you could clarify, what do you mean by keep the peace? Is that peace within yourself or peace within the relationship? And if so, what is your responsibility? Do you have to keep the peace or not? This is so interesting. Maybe you could comment sunshine. I also um, have a very easy time of just walking away um, and letting things cool down. Whereas other people like my husband is not really like that. He's, he doesn't like things unsettled. Um, it, it makes him really, really uncomfortable for stuff to like be hanging and unsettled and I'm totally fine with it. Like, I, I think it's nice. Okay. So sunshine says, well, I guess with relationships, but more deep is deep within myself. Like I totally get what you're saying because they're different. So how do you keep the peace when you know the other person's projecting? And so, you know, like we could take a look at that with what does peace mean in a relationship and also deep within yourself. Do you want to come on and talk about it? You don't have to. This can be vulnerable. Here Marie says, sadly, I couldn't keep the peace in my own family. I've had to walk away from my sister's discontent and projection onto me. So, um, you know, I totally get that. That's what we call creating a boundary. Um, Also, we are typically not, not accustomed to making boundaries, creating boundaries. Oh, I got you sunshine. Sunshine can't talk right now. She's traveling with their family. That's all good. So we could talk a little bit about creating boundaries. This is something that I'm doing with my dad currently. Um, and even, okay, so let's just talk about what a boundary is. 
So imagine you're driving in a car with several people and somebody lights up a cigarette and you're like, Ooh, I don't really want to be in this car with somebody smoking a cigarette. So creating a boundary would look like saying, I prefer not to be in a car with somebody smoking a cigarette. Um, If you could please put out the cigarette, if not, please pull over and let me out so that I can find alternative transportation. Um, And then, so that's creating the boundary. And then the next step is, is following through with what you say you're going to do if the boundary is not respected. So for example, if you set that boundary and the person's like, um, well, I'm not putting out my cigarette. And then you don't say, oh, okay, well, I guess I can make it for 10 more miles. Like then you have just violated your own boundary. Um, so, so often what we do is we'll set a boundary and then not follow through with what we say we're going to do on the boundary. And then the next piece after that is then we blame ourselves and shame ourselves for having the boundary, for sticking to the boundary or not sticking to the boundary. I mean, there's just like so much um, self-flagellation after the boundary experience. And this is something that I've learned in my trauma coaching is that like there's this whole idea around being your authentic self, right? So sometimes when you have a complicated relationship with somebody and you have a boundary set up and then you're not authentic with them because you're not like, you know, speaking to them deeply and you're not like telling them, you know, all everything that's on your mind and being your authentic self, whatever that looks like. Some people think then that that means you're being dishonest. And in trauma coaching, we talk a lot about, you know, self-safety. So this is what I'm doing with my own dad, because I think, okay, I have a strained relationship with my dad. I moved like 2000 miles away from him, like as if that's not a big enough distance, but even communication, um, he, he says things and is critical and whatnot on texting and stuff like that. So I've, I've set up my boundaries with him. And then I beat myself up like, well, I need to be telling him like what's bothering me and being like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause if not, then I'm not being true to myself. And it's like, no, 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 this is your safety. You, you don't owe this person anything. We don't owe people anything. We can be authentic and true to ourselves and have a very superficial relationship with people and respect the boundaries that we set up and it's all okay. So I think just like really dropping the, the self-beating, the, um, you know, how we are just so mean to ourselves after some of these things. I don't know if any of this is like making sense or resonating with you, but all we are is a bunch of human brains (laughs) hang around acting crazy. Um, okay. So we have about like 10 more minutes. Is there anything else people want to talk about? This is a good chat this morning. So, um, there's this uh, other membership program that I joined, and I'll tell you about this because we are going into the soul, the soul version of, you know, this type of coaching stuff in quarter three, but it's this 
um, it's this site called to be magnetic and this, it sounds kind of crazy when you read about it, but it is all about manifesting, but the way in which it is using the term manifesting, we could swap out result from the R line because we talk about results that we create in our lives. And this woman is just talking about how we manifest results basically. But what I love about it is it is directed at going into the subconscious brain and doing neural reprogramming in the subconscious brain through these hip kind of like quasi hypnotic guided meditations And she has guided meditations around all these different aspects of life. And so I've been doing them in the inner child and then the shadow, if you've heard these terms, and then there are other things around fear and relationships, but these guided meditations are so relaxing. Number one. And then number two is, is they just allow your brain to kind of like calm down and I'm accessing memories and I'm accessing all this stuff that I kind of like stuffed away. And then there are these journal prompts that come after that. And then you can kind of start to cultivate sort of how you want to rewire what that subconscious memory was or the subconscious belief or programming. And it's just been so fascinating. It's super cheap. It's like 30 bucks a month. And it's been some of the most powerful work that I've done. I've been doing that a lot lately because I'm terrified AF for leaving my full-time job. And, uh, I just wanted something that was going to give me like this sort of like regular prompts to kind of stay practicing and moving and, and going in the direction. I don't want to get overcome by the fear. And so if anybody wants to check that out, it's, it's super cool. And it just seems like a little woo woo on the surface, but she has an MD, um, psychiatrist on her board. She has like psychologists on her board and other actual scientists, neural professionals. So it's not just like some hippie from Topanga, California talking about manifesting. Um, but I love how, how open it's kind of gotten me about my past. I was really like, have thought about my whole life, like anchored to the pain of the past. And now it just feels so different. It's like changed the relationship with all of that. It's, it's really cool. All right. Well, that's enough of me. Let's maybe put out there one more time to, we can do a speed round. And then if we don't have any volunteers, we'll just call it. And you guys have the most wonderful 4th of July weekend ever. Okie dokie. Happy 4th, whatever that means to you. Um, for me, it just means another day off. Thank God. Okay. Have a great one, you guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.